And now it's time for Show Your Work with Michelle Francesca Thomas and Murph Meyer. Hey. Hey. Uh, so, Murph, do you remember back in school, there was this thing that teachers always made you do called Show Your Work? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, super annoying, especially for me, super math whiz that I am. Psych. Uh, <laughs> yeah, joke's on them. I didn't even do the work. You wanna, I'm showing you nothing. I'm showing you nothing. Exactly. I like to do the work, but I don't like to show you any of it. But I think in this case, because we have so many people that are new to this concept of harm reduction and a lot of the uh, information that we're giving in the podcast, especially on the side B's will be new to people. So we want to, what? Show, Show our, our work. work. Yeah. I, I picture a class bell ringing or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So yeah, that conversation with Jennifer, obviously at the end of it, we both were in tears. Um, yes. um, thank God for mute because it was, it was a doozy um, hearing her trying to figure out what was going on with her son and, and then also finding out like her son was dead for two days and she didn't find out until somebody on Facebook posted that. Like how awful is that? Um, I can't imagine finding out that like my brother was dead for two days and only knowing because of Facebook, but let's move on to facts that people might want us to show the work on. So, okay. Jennifer mentioned that when Quincy was in rehab, he was on Suboxone. Um, and that may be confusing to some people because later on we mention um, this thing called waiver X, which I'll get into in a moment um, and why that applies to Suboxone. So specifically Suboxone is medication assistant treatment um, otherwise known as a mat, and it is made up of buprenorphine and naloxone. Now, that's important because buprenorphine gets tied up in this X waiver that um, practitioners and physicians who want to use buprenorphine to treat opioid use disorder have to basically go through this whole rigmarole in order to do it. And we'll get into more of like what those hoops are <laughs> more extensively. So many hoops. So many hoops, honestly. <laughs> like for anyone who doesn't know, step down care basically means like, because the rehab facility is only for like a limited time under most insurances, once you are at your max, you have to go on to another facility. And as she mentioned, the facilities, the rehab facilities were trying to find a spot for him because he was on mat, um, specifically Suboxone, but they weren't having any luck. So the first time that happened, he, you go basically got tossed out and then he got relapsed and he was back on the street. And then she said eight months later, he did a second rehab and sort of like the cycle happened all over again, but unfortunately he died as a result of being weaned off of the Suboxone. So <clears throat> let's get into the agonist versus partial agonist, because then that can like clarify why um, he, he OD'd essentially. So she said, Jennifer, that is said, Suboxone is a partial agonist. Fentanyl is a full agonist. Any doctor can prescribe a fentanyl patch. For pain, let's be specific, that um, any doctor can prescribe fentanyl for pain specifically. But the definition of agonist, okay, so an agonist is a drug that activates certain receptors in the brain. 
Um, so a full agonist, uh, specifically full agonist opioids activate opioid receptors, right? They match. Um, and it results in a full opioid effect. So a full agonist will give you a full opioid effect. Total, total bliss. That's where you get that. Yeah, exactly. And examples of those are heroin, methadone, hydrocodone, morphine, opium, and others. Um, and then of course, <clears throat> partial agonist opioids activate the receptors, but just to a much lesser degree than a full agonist. And the primary example of a partial agonist is buprenorphine. Now, the other end of that is an antagonist, which blocks opioids from attaching to the receptor without activating them. And there's no op opioid effect. It basically fully blocks the agonist from attaching to that receptor. So those are the lifesavers. Exactly. An example of that is naloxone. So hence, Suboxone has buprenorphine and naloxone. So essentially what Suboxone is doing is it's giving you a partial taste of that agonist from the buprenorphine. It's like satisfying the craving, which is really like the biggest problem with, you know, managing addiction is like um, satisfying the craving and then also uh, withdrawal. So uh, naloxone will kick in essentially if you go into withdrawal because it, it blocks the opioid um, receptor. So like a, a more fun, <laughs> I, I hate to use that word, <laughs> analogy, <laughs> a full agonist, you can think of it as like you you're a VIP at a club, yes. like back in the before times, or if you live in Atlanta or Houston <laughs> right now, and you're just out and about and you have access to everything, the bottle service, the ladies, the boys, the food, the smoke, the hookah, everything, everything, you get it all. You are on the top shelf list. You get the full feeling of being at a club or whatever, right? I love it. Love that action. Partial agonist is you just, you have a table with bottle service. That sounds fun. Like you're still in the club, but like, mm, you know, it's like not as much fun. And then of course, antagonist is like the bouncers preventing you fully from getting into that club and getting any of the hot action mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the reason they kind of call that the gold standard then is uh and, and then you know by extension suboxone because it has bute but also the naloxone to block uh so that there you know you'll you'll never find yourself in a, in a situation where you're uh you know where you're taking too much mm -hmm, exactly um and the government has recognized it in many statements as the quote-unquote gold standard so the x waiver is tied into this thing called the Drug Addiction Treatment Act of 2000. Um, and actually, our current president was a part of um, manifesting that that act. Scranton Joe. Yeah. It was passed according to the Health and Human Services, uh, Department of Health and Human Services. It was passed, uh, quote unquote, in order to improve access to treatment for opioid use disorder by allowing practitioners to prescribe approved schedule three through five medications for opioid use disorder, OUD, treatment in outpatient settings. So uh, under this ruling, practitioners who dispense narcotic drugs to individuals for the maintenance 
treatment of or detoxification. So it's maintaining it or helping them detox. Shall obtain annually, so every year practitioners have to do this, a separate DEA registration for that purpose. The attorney general shall register an applicant to dispense narcotic drugs to individuals for maintenance, treatment, or detoxification, or both. A practitioner may also seek a waiver from the DEA registration requirement by submitting a notice of intent with specific statutorily required certifications to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, that's SAMHSA for short, within HHS, that's Health and Human Services. Once SAMHSA approves the waiver request and notifies the DOJ of the approval, DOJ will make a determination whether the practitioner meets statutory requirements and then issue a waiver identification number that authorizes the practitioner to treat the patients with buprenorphine. The Secretary of Health and Human Services may create exemptions for the certificate requirements by issuing practice guidelines pursuant to 21 USC 823, blah, blah, blah. So we got the, you got to get the DOJ, the DEA, HHS involved. I mean, this is bureaucratic insanity that covers every letter of the alphabet for crazy. It does. And it it basically goes back to, um, we'll get into this later, or rather you will later in the season in, in terms of like, you know, the history of the drug war and that the modern drug war, I should say, initiated uh, through Nixon, Nixon? <laughs> and like the the development of all these different departments that regulate or have some type of say in, in regards to uh, drugs um, overall. What's what's funny to me, though, uh, is that that so we where was the I mean, we know where this was is was the ph- pharmaceutical companies have. Uh, you know, uh, have, have have thrown enough money into the pool mm-hmm. in Washington that 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 you know oxy. We're, we're looking at the same time here. This this was in two thousand, mm-hmm. uh, and they started to regulate uh, buprenorphine so hard mm-hmm. with through this. We just heard the whole the whole uh, you know the, all the hoops you got to jump through. But yet oxycontin was being prescribed. Uh, you know, li- like the scripts were flying out all over town for that, yeah. and that wasn't. They didn't require uh, physicians to go through. Uh, you know, the, the same kind of hoops for that as they did for people who were, you know, seeking treatment for yeah. something, which just seems like that that's at the level we're at here where you're like, oh, OK, so you get you get people you throw these these pills around loosely mm-hmm. through through the pharmaceutical companies. They, they can they can prescribe everyone oxy. They get everyone hooked. They, if they get off of oxy, uh, you know, if they're if the doctor pulls their script or whatever ends up happening with that, they go to the street, they start using heroin. And then when they want to come back and get better, then you decide to put up the hoops mm-hmm. for people to jump through. I mean, that's just that's ruthless. Exactly. And so even further beyond all of that, so there's also uh, some more rules and regulations. So uh, just to to clarify, uh, qualified practitioners can include physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, clinical nurse specialists, certified registered nurse (laughs) assistants. (laughs) <laughs> Why do I keep messing that word up? It's A N E S T H E T I S T. Anesthetist. 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 Yeah, basically someone who uses anesthesia. I'm just kidding. <laughs> A certified nurse person who uses anesthesia, aka CRNA. And certified nurse midwife. Can't get the wind eyes. The midwives. Anyway, those 
are all qualified practitioners. Um, and those qualified practitioners can treat up to 100 patients using BUP for OUD, opioid use disorder, if they meet one of two conditions in their first year. The first is that they have to have a board certification in addiction medicine or addiction psychiatry or the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. The second is the practitioner provides medication-assisted treatment in a quote-unquote qualified practice setting. A qualified practice setting is a practice that provides professional coverage for patient medical emergencies during hours when the practitioner's practice is closed, uh, provides access to case management, uses health information technology, such as like electronic records for, you know, your health records, is registered for their state prescription drug monitoring program, and accepts third-party payment costs. Now, I just, it's it says one of two conditions, but let's be real, it has to be both. <laughs> like, most, most practitioners are, you know, working in, in some capacity in a facility that has all of these, in some degree, these parameters. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so all that's all well and good. And then after you qualify, if you satisfy all these parameters with your 100 patients in the year, then you can get bumped up to 275 patients. Now, I just want to go back and say that, because Jennifer said, like, what other medication do you know has a, a number limit on aside from buprenorphine? And the answer is zero. Like I've called a number of other doctors to verify that. And there are internal limits within the medical community, but it's not federally regulated. That's the point with buprenorphine. This is the only drug that there's a limit on the number of people that you can prescribe it to um, that is, it's federally regulated in that manner. So fentanyl, so fentanyl is, is not, and that is a, a drug that is uh, far more potent than heroin. Mm -hmm. uh, so fentanyl can be prescribed, uh, you know, uh, at, at will and, uh, and heroin is illegal. Uh, and then buprenorphine uh, is, is, has a limit on it. So figure out the logic in that. Oh, also we should say that um, in order to qualify for, you know, like administering uh, bup, you have to go through this eight hour training that is out of pocket. Like the, the person, the practitioner has to pay for it out of pocket. And the language says like, a uh, practitioner may opt for training. It's like, no, it's not may. It is required. <laughs> um, okay, so two exceptions that they try to be nice around is the three-day rule exception, where it allows a practitioner who is not separately registered as a um, narcotic treatment program to administer but not prescribe narcotic drugs for a patient um, who's you know, to relieve uh, acute withdrawal symptoms while they're arranging for other treatment under the following conditions. The one is uh, it's not going to be for more than one day's medication. Uh, it can't be given. So like you can't um, like a certain methadone clinics, they might give 
especially during COVID times when like people weren't able to get to a facility on a regular basis, they might give multiple take homes. This is not, this doesn't fall under that parameters. It has to just be not more than one day's medication can be administered or given to the patient at one time. The second thing is the treatment may, may not be carried out for more than 72 hours and the 72 hour period cannot be renewed or extended. So you can't have like multiple 72 hours, um, you know, concurrently, whatever. And then the second sort of buy that they, you know, give out is emergency requests to treat up to 275 patients. Now, I'm going to be quite frank. I, when I was trying to find more, so all these definitions and, and et cetera can be found on either the SAMHSA.gov website. So it is .gov. Don't come for us with like, this is fake news. Like it is a government <laughs> website. It's on them. Yes. Yep. This yep. is not something Michelle Thomas or Murph Meyer has made up. Um, no, or, or agrees with for the record. How about that? Um, yeah. uh, I was reading somewhere. It was in Filter and it was this narrative about a, a doctor, emergency room doctor um, that, you know, experienced a heartbreaking situation where he saw a patient come in. They essentially said, like, I'm going to probably use again because when the withdrawal kicks in, I can't handle it. And he was like, here is a prescription for Narcan, which uh, brings us into our next thing. Um, but to end that story, like he gave the prescription to Narcan and then unfortunately the person ended up, they OD'd like one or two days later. Um, so let's get into why that can happen. So Murph, actually you said, uh, cause you and Jennifer were talking about, you know, like not limiting access to life-saving drugs like Narcan, right? So there are, so, okay, just to back up. Narcan is like the brand name for naloxone, which again, as we covered before, is a uh, antagonist, which means class. It's like a bouncer. It totally blocks the opioid effect, and um, like, yeah, it's you're not getting any of of the opioid effect it, because it doesn't attach to the receptor. So. Uh, Which includes the slowed breathing and the, all mm -hmm. the physical stuff, uh, 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 symptoms and signs of, of an overdose. Exactly, exactly. Um, so with the nasal spray, for example, yeah, you um, use the nasal spray and then it, um, yeah, it just, it bumps out that receptor that might have been activated uh, from uh, in in terms of like an overdose, overdose situation. Um, it reverses it essentially. Um, but you should still seek medical treatment after you have administered um, Narcan or Naloxone. But that being said, okay, Naloxone is non is a non-scheduled, non-addictive prescription medication. It only works if the person has opioids in their system, and it has no effect if you know if there aren't any in their in their system, because again, its whole job is to bump off whatever has attached to that receptor. It there's no, so there's no potential for abuse because again, like it doesn't work if there's no um, opioid in the system and it all, it wears off within 20 to 90 minutes. Um, so that said, the cost can be, oh, sad, honestly. So for example, from the CVS website, 
It says, the company also announced that CVS Pharmacy will accept and automatically apply a coupon for Narcan nasal spray for patients without insurance. The resulting out-of-pocket cost is $95.99, the lowest price available. Um, Narcan nasal spray is only FDA-approved nasals administration of naloxone. Now, let's just go back to that price. Like that's ridiculous. So so yeah. So in a in a in a boardroom somewhere, the CEOs and the and all the brass and the shareholders at CVS got together, and they literally put down to the cent a, a, a dollar amount on human life. Yeah. They were like, here's here, here's exactly how much this uh, this is going to cost, and it's going to be yeah prohibitive for a lot of people. Yeah, and you are shit out of luck if you cannot afford it. Um, and it's not like you can run and get you need to you need to you need to have it on hand, and, right? So before you know, this is not something you know that you can uh, run off and be like, all right, well, I guess I can, you know, I can I can take something down to the pawn shop or I can, you know, try to trying to scrounge up some money to, uh, to get yeah. this done. You need it. You need it. You need yeah. it when you need it. Yeah, you d- you do need it when you need it because like every second counts when you are, um, you know, ODing. Uh, because the, you know your respiratory rate is decreasing, you need to get that back up. Um, but I called my local CVS to see, you know, the what the price is. It's pretty much around the same. They said about eighty five dollars um, without insurance. And you know, who's to say like if somebody is trying to manage uh, opioid use disorder, whether or not they have insurance? That's number one. And then, you know, number two, just again, $85, that's super high. Like you can get, you know, a withdrawal sort of acting medicine, otherwise known as Nicorette gum, you know, (laughs) for for nicotine. I mean, essentially, that's what it is, right? Like it prevents you from having that withdrawal from not having a nicotine um, fix. You can get the CVS brand nicotine Nicotine gum, the four milligram, ten count is five dollars and ninety nine cents. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Shell, also, I, I will say you're the best producer in town because you're calling up CVS and haggling with prices. <laughs> you're finding the price of Nicorette gum. I mean, Jesus, you're you're the best. I gotta do it because you know people don't know what they don't know. That's true. And yeah, I also want to reiterate, like, you know, in terms of Jennifer saying that. You know, even though she was a nurse, she only knew what her children were telling her in regards to Suboxone and, you know, step down care and that sort of thing. Like, it's very easy to listen and to to judge her for that and be like, well, how come you didn't, you know, do the research about like whatever negative disparaging thing you want to add there? But like, if you're making that statement, you should ask yourself do you know all the side effects of the medication that your loved ones are on? I'm living, I've been living with my mom since the pandemic and she takes a medication, uh, you know, for uh, hypertension and, you know, like she has been coughing for a while, like even before COVID. And for me, I was like, if it's not diet, it has to be medication. But I only know that because I believe that the things that you put in your body are going to have an effect on you. But not everybody realizes that because people, I think in general, want to trust in the medical professionals that they, um, you know, are, are working with. And they want to believe that if a doctor tells them, take this, you know, take two of these and call me in the morning sort of thing. Like, 
that those two of these are going to take care of whatever the problem is and, you know, not going to have any bad side effects. You're doing everything you can and you want to be there for someone. But yeah, it's, it's hard, especially when the kind of thing, again, is like stigmatized. And I feel like who is who knows who's going to listen to this. And, you know, obviously we have friends in the harm reduction community, but we also have people that are not fully versed in, in mm-hmm. this world. And I think just putting it into layman's terms and it should help, I hope, yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, now Biden's just got to get the fuck out of the way and let people get their medicine. Yeah, Mr. President, we hope you are listening because we know that, you know, Hunter is, uh, you know, taking care of his business. So we hope that you will listen to this and get a new frame of mind in terms of ta- helping other people Burn take care of theirs sick. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you better be listening.